14 weeks have passed. Seven remain in the regular season. Nothing is settled yet. We all sit here at the All-Star break, either with our head down in defeat, eyes towards the rest of the season with optimism, or proud of what we've accomplished. Either way, we've all made it through the 14 weeks. We deserve this break. It should be fun with the All-Star break. And I wanted to you take this time to kind of address the status of the league and talk about all the happenings in For the Fame. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the commission's wrap-up show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the commission's podcast show. I'm here joining you at the All-Star break. We are at the official midway point of the MLB season, and we're about three-quarters of the way done with our regular season, believe it or not. So as we finish week 14, we have seven more weeks to go to finish off this regular season, and there's a lot to talk about. I haven't joined you guys in quite some time. I believe it was probably a week 10 preview or a week 9 preview. Um, it was the it was the episode where Devin was begging people to make a trade, and guess what? It worked. So since that point, and Devin got on here and talked about different trades that could be possible and the different deals that could be made between teams, it worked out. Not the specific deals that he was talking about, but there were a lot of trades that went down, and we still have a few more weeks before the trade deadline, but I wanted to go through some of those trades and discuss them. So I'm going to scroll all the way back on my, on my phone and talk about some of those trades. So I believe the first trade was between, let's see, I know Devin made a trade, Jimmy made a trade, Perrier made a trade, obviously I made a trade, uh, Alicia's made a trade, Bazada's made a trade, so let's go through all these trades one by one and discuss um, the winners and losers. And Alright, so the first trade. So this was a little controversial, it took place on Thursday, June 13th, late in the night, 10.28pm. Saw Alicia giving away Charlie Morton, who's one of the better starting pitchers in the MLB, for Chris Paddock. So Chris Paddock was highly sought after, uh, but his value is a little bit depleted because of his innings limit and also because of the fact that he does not have the attractive nature of being an NA keeper next year. But nevertheless, Alicia thought Chris Paddock would be someone that she could build towards uh, with next year. I would say that Devin got the better deal. It's hard to come across starting pitching uh, in this league. And the fact that Devin was able to walk away with Charlie Morton, who is currently, let me get the rank up here. Uh, he just pitched today against the Yankees, and he was absolutely awesome. So watching him with your eyes, you see that he is someone that is a dominant starting pitcher. Is he an ace? No, some days that he, he can go out there and give you a performance like an ace. But he's a solid two, and he really is someone that shored up Devin's shaky pitching staff, and that's a great ad for him. So if we're looking at uh, this, so far this season, we'll find out where Charlie Morton is. He is... One, two, three. Tenth in, in points 
out of all the pitchers. With guys like Zach Granke behind him, guys like Trevor Bauer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, Chris Sale, Jacob DeGrom, Walker Bueller, you get the point. Those guys are all behind Charlie Morton. And he doesn't have the complete games or any of those uh, those stats that kind of jump up the numbers. He's just been solid consistently all year. You know, he goes seven innings. He goes six and a third, six, seven, 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 six and a third. His worst outing came May 19th when he went four innings. And... Before today, when he was taking out at taken out after five and five and two thirds, he had gone at least six since the beginning of May. So that's that's what you would like to see from any starter on your team. Uh, he's striking out double digits in some of the starts, and he has at least six Ks in every start since the beginning of May as well. So Charlie Bourne has been studly for for Devin, and that's not even disputed. Uh, so the other trades that we have to talk about. Hold on, it went backwards for me. Uh, so June 13th was that trade. So let me go back to that point. Unfortunately, I don't have a laptop to be doing this. It's so much easier when I can actually pull up the full league. But I'm using the app, which is kind of user-friendly. And I just wish you could separate it by trades and by ad drops because obviously there's a million ad drops on a weekly basis with our, um, with our league. So it kind of gets mixed in. So... Going through the ad drops, um, the next trade, let's find it. So many ad drops. Still going through. All right, so next trade came on Sunday, June 23rd, and that was me trading Corey Seager for Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley wound up being just a piece that I was going to flip. Uh, so that deal, who knows, right? I had a plethora of shortstops that I was willing to give up Corey Seager, but Corey Seager is, could be one of the top 10 players in the league. Uh, he was injured. He's been out since probably the beginning of June, but rumor has it he will be starting on Friday when the Dodgers return from the All-Star break. So that's a great... A great, great move for Jimmy, and Michael Brantley's having a great year, but the eligibility for only left field really hurts his value in, in most of the league. Uh, so following that deal, which was probably only a half hour later, I used Brantley as another trade pick, a uh, little tr- trade chip to get my hands on Whit Merrifield. So I sent Michael Brantley and Steven Strasburg for Whit Merrifield and Jake Arrieta. So Jake Arrieta looking... He might need surgery after his comments to Todd Frazier with his, I'll put a dent in your head and all that stuff. We found out that there's a bone spur in his elbow. He could be facing surgery. He might not have the surgery, but either way, he hasn't even been that effective this year, so it's not a huge loss. He was kind of a throw-in to the Merrifield deal. Uh, Merrifield was the main piece I was looking at, so honestly, if you're looking at it, it's Merrifield and Strasburg one for one. I think those two players are pretty even. Strasburg has been unbelievable for Perrier since I traded him. He had a start that he went, I think his last two starts, he went seven innings, and I think he had 14 Ks his last start. So Steven Strasburg has been unbelievable for Perrier. And Whit Merrifield's more of the same for me. Uh, every day, pencil him in, he plays about 160 games a year. He leads off for not that great of an offense, but he gets on base. He's currently ranked 19th overall in points. And literally gets at least one point a game 
he never really gets you negative points. He doesn't strike out that often. He's a great add for my team, and I really love the flexibility. Having a first, second, center, and right eligible, I can really switch up my team. I was having a lot of trouble earlier in the year of trying to figure out how to get people into the lineup. And a lot of times I would have guys starting, but they had to stay on my bench because they didn't have the uh, the eligibility for any other position. So it's been great having him and Jay Bruce and be able to mix it up. I think I've started Wit at every every single position that he's eligible for so far this year. So it's been great to be able to put him in there and you know he's starting. Uh, but I would say that right now that um, Perrier would definitely have the better of the deal only because starting pitching is so weak in this league. And, you know, I, I may live to regret the fact that I sent him away. And that remains to be seen. But I thought I needed another offensive piece. Looking at a lot of different teams, there were uh, a lot of different pieces that offensively I wasn't happy with. So I wanted to get another player that was at least in the top 25. Whit Merrifield does that for me. But at the same time, I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul and taking a strength and making it a little bit weaker. So if Strasburg was going to round out and be the ace that we know he should be and pitch well for the Nationals this year, like he has been his last two starts for Perrier, I could be looking at having Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, and a Steven Strasburg. And that could be deadly going into the playoffs. But I took a risk. We'll see how it works out. But right now, I would say it's dead even. If you look at the points, obviously Mer- obviously Merrifield plays every day. So it's hard to judge. But Merrifield right now and Strasburg have a decent amount of this. They have about the same points almost every day. Uh, the other trade, we have Devin uh, and Perry. So Perry has been very active. He traded uh, Adele who is an NA prospect in the Angels in the Angel system uh, for Carter Kaboom and Jamison Tyon. So Kaboom and Adele were both featured today in the Futures game and I'll get to that in a second. I'll talk a little bit about the All-Star All-Star week and all that good stuff we have going on. But Adele and Kaboom, this was a uh, a brain, you know, I was scratching my head at this deal at first. But everything I'm reading about Adele, he seems to be a surefire superstar in the making for the Anaheim or whatever, Los Angeles, Angels of Anaheim. Uh, but I do like this deal for both teams. So maybe if Jamison Tyon comes back in August for Perrier, he could be a difference maker. And Carter Kaboom already showed that he was capable of playing at the major league level for the Nationals earlier this year. But... Well, this is a deal we have to wait and see what happens because it's too it's too soon to say. Uh, we got to see those two players uh, get get showcased today, which was awesome to see. Adele and Kaboom uh, definitely had their at bats today, and I think Adele had about a point and a half. Uh, he had a run scored, got on base. It was nice to see him out there, and he looked like a bona fide stud. Everything I'm reading for the from you know the different reports of the game. People are very happy, and he looks to be the most major league ready of all the prospects we saw today. So that was very, very, it was kind of cool to see that, especially seeing that those two were just traded. All right, so Devin was continually on the move, making moves. He traded Travis Shaw and Patrick Corbin to Travis for Daniel Murphy and Jack Flaherty. So Jack Flaherty had a no-hit bid going into the sixth inning today. 
Uh, Patrick Corbin's been pretty great uh, so far for for Travis. The Nationals have been streaking. They've been the best team in baseball, believe it or not, for the past two weeks or so. So they find themselves right back into the the hunt for the wild card. Uh, Devin really needed to shore up second base. It was a black hole for him. Travis Shaw was absolutely abysmal. He's been recently sent down for the number one prospect that they have there. I think his how you say his name is Keston Herrera, uh, the second baseman from Milwaukee. So he got called up. Travis Shaw said goodbye. So Travis Shaw has since been dropped. Uh, Devin replaced him with Daniel Murphy, who has not lived up to what he probably should be doing in Colorado. You know, Daniel Murphy is a a career hitter, and he's someone who can put up high high numbers, or well, high average and and big numbers, especially in Coors Field, and he's just not. So he's better than Travis Shaw, but at the same time, Daniel Murphy isn't really living up to his name, which is part of the reason Travis wasn't even competing this year. So we'll see if Daniel Murphy can turn it around. You know, obviously with Colorado, that their their stadium produces a lot of offense, so maybe Daniel Murphy in the second half of the season as a monster year. I love Jack Flaherty for Devin. That's a great addition to his team. Um, I actually like Jack Flaherty better than Patrick Corbin. Patrick Corbin has the name. He was uh, a big free agent signing that all the teams were after. But Jack Flaherty has been quietly consistent. He's on the St. Louis Cardinals that don't get as much love here on the East Coast. They kind of just do it quietly. But Jack Flaherty has the pedigree to be an ace. He has great stuff. I love him. And I think that's a great trade for Devin. I'm not sure how it really works out for, for Travis going into the future. He got his his third win of the season this week. But is Patrick Corbin really going to be the pitcher he's keeping? Uh, I don't think so. But maybe he's just trying to make it interesting for himself this year. He has said multiple times he just clearly doesn't want to sell. So... If he's not selling, he wants to make sure his summer is interesting so he's having a competitive team. And I saw Travis at at 4th of July, and he was hell-bent on not selling and thought that the impossible could happen. He was leaning on history and Devin finishing under 500 and making a run to the championship. But what he's not remembering is that Devin wasn't nine games under 500 and all these games back. Devin snuck in the playoffs, but that was when a lot of teams were struggling. It was a little bit more parity, and there was a little bit more space for Devin to do that. Travis has dug a hole that's way too deep for him. If he was 3-7, and seven, I'd say it's possible, but you're 3-11, and 11, and making a run and jumping Jimmy, who's 6-8, and eight, Greg, who's 7-7, seven seven, Karen, who's 8-6, uh, Perry, who's 7-7, seven and seven, Devin, who's 8-6, Bazada, who's 8-6. Boxell looks like he has the division wrapped up uh, at 11-3. and three. He's three games up with seven remaining. He has only lost three this year, and I don't see him losing, going on a losing streak anytime soon. His team is that consistent. So that means that he's going to have to make a run and pass a whole bunch of teams. I just don't see it happening for him. So while I agree he's not selling, but he has his mindset that the N.A., prospects are not you know not worth pursuing which I disagree with you see someone like Fernando Tatis Jr. who was my NA keeper last year he's produced at the major league level and he looks like an absolute superstar so if you get one of those guys and get your hand on one of them like an Adele 
like a Royce Lewis or a Dylan Cease or one of those guys by trading one of those pitchers that you're not going to keep, you know, you could still set your lineup and make moves and try to compete each week, but you're looking forward to next year. You have to find that piece that, like, say if Dylan Cease winds up being an ace for Chicago, Dylan Cease winds up being... Uh, you get to keep him in the last round, and there you have it. You have one of those pitchers that you can th- you can plug in there. So I don't really agree with the strategy, but I do respect the move that he's not trying to build other super teams and not selling too early. But he still has a few weeks to change his mind. And we will definitely see if Patrick Corbin and Chris Sale wind up being on the move. All right, finally, the last trade, we saw Bazada acquiring... Uh, Ryu from Alicia for Hori Polanco and Wander Franco. So this deal, I had talked to Bizzotta when he had this on the table. While Ryu has been absolutely amazing this year, probably the National League Cy Young. Hori Polanco has been just as great on the other side for offensively. The Minnesota Twins are scoring runs at a record pace. Well, at least franchise record pace, they're hitting home runs by a huge margin. And Jorge Polanco has been part of that reason. So Jorge Polanco, you may not know his name. He's playing in obscurity in Minnesota. But he's 30th ranked overall in points in the first place Minnesota Twins team. He's a key cog to their offense. And he's someone that is very, 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 very valuable. So giving up Polanco for Ryu was tough. Um, But you have to really wonder, although Ryu is fourth in points for pitching, he is second in National League in pitching. He's probably going to win the Cy Young uh, just because the Dodgers are in a better spot than the Nationals are. Obviously, Scherzer's having an amazing year as well. But the writers may vote for Ryu only because of what I just just said before. Scherzer is pitching, but his team's not really winning. That will change if somehow the Nationals get to the wild card play-in game or they somehow make a miraculous run and hop over a few teams and get that division lead. So Ryu is someone who, I, for me, looking at him, he's been great all year, but I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Is he going to be the Ryu that he's been consistently the last how many years he's been in the league? Or is he going to continue this this? magical run of being the ace for the LA Dodgers I don't know I do like the deal for both of them I'm not sure how it pans out for the future for Alicia who is now 2-12 and I'm not sure if she's going to be keeping Wander Franco if she's just trying to acquire a whole bunch of prospects and making a decision like she did last year so having the choice is something she wants I'm not sure uh, so she has the choice between Bo Bichette, she has the choice between Wanda Franco, uh, Justice Sheffield, and is she going to keep Hori Polanco over Judge, Juan Soto? I'm not sure. She could be doing what a little bit of what Travis is doing, which is just trying to compete for this year, make it interesting for herself, and and obviously just be in every matchup. We will see how that pans out for her. I do like the trade for both, and I thought it was very even. There were some questions and rumblings in the chat that maybe the trade wasn't that even, that Bazada got kind of robbed. Alicia, I didn't think so at all. I thought Jorge Polanco was a huge piece to give away. So it's not like he gave away nothing to get an ace. He gave away a really, really key 
cog to his offense, and it left kind of a hole at shortstop for him. I mean, the difference is about 30 spots for Gene Segura for him playing short. But for me, that's a huge piece to give up, and that really leaves a hole in his offense. Let's see if it makes a huge difference for him. He's on a little bit of a losing streak right now. He lost this week, didn't put up a lot of points, scored less than 100 points, uh, was one of two teams that only did that, ironically, with his sister. So I'm not saying that Jorge Polanco would have got him uh, you know, more, uh, you know, above 100 points, but Jorge Polanco definitely is going to be missed in his lineup. So those are the trades. I thought it was really interesting to see kind of uh, each domino continue to fall and they build on each other. I fully expect to see more trades as the time goes on. The trade deadline is in August. So I w- I'm curious to see if anyone else is talking, making deals, discussing anything um, of the likes with trades. So August 11th at 12 a.m. or I think 11.59 p.m. on the next uh, on that day is the trade deadline. So we do have a few more weeks, about a month, I would say until the trade deadline and we will see if that gets anything gets done. We have a lot of teams that are still in the mix. Obviously the division leaders are myself and Boxell at 10 and 4 and 11 3 11 and 3 respectively. Karen's 8 and 6, Greg 7 and 7, Bazada's 8 and 6, Devin's 8 and 7, Perrier 7 and 7, Jimmy 6 and 8. The only two teams that are really out of it are Travis and Alicia. Travis believes he's still in it somehow, but Realistically, the, there's two teams eliminated, and that means there are one, two, six, six teams fighting for uh, four, four playoff spots because of the divisions. I, I do not believe that the Reptarks that are divisions over. I don't believe that a two-game lead is enough for me to kind of close the door on Karen or even Greg. Uh, I I don't really believe that the other divi- the Ruben Sierra divisions finished yet, but Boxell is more likely to finish it off. He has a two-game lead, three-game lead, I should say, over Devin and Bazada. Four-game lead over Perrier. It's kind of safe with seven remaining, especially with how he's played all year. But we will sh- we will definitely see. I I will guarantee that Alicia probably makes one more trade. And I would say Travis eventually trades Chris Sale. Or Joey Gallo. Um, he has a lot of pieces that are valuable. Kenley Jansen. He may even flip Patrick Corbin. If you're not going to keep him, might as well trade him. And just have enough of a team to get hot and win that consolation bracket. All right, so getting on to the All-Star game. So thank you, everyone. We have everyone participating, which I was surprised. I was uh, shocked, actually, that I reached out to everybody and everyone wanted to participate. So I wanted to go through a little bit about that. Obviously, it started today. If you weren't paying attention to the chat or just the baseball in general today, the Futures game happened, and I and Devin had the great idea of including the Futures game instead of the Home Run Derby. Unfortunately, the Home Run Derby would have been fun to do with everybody, but... Not every team was represented. So what I was going to do is going to have, since there was 10 members of the league, I was going to let everyone that owned the players pick first and then let other people pick out of the pot. 
it just got too confusing, so I just eliminated it. And Devin had asked if we could add the futures game to it, and I said, sure, that's a great idea. So we had four future players going at it in the futures game today. So we had uh, Luis Robert for the Chicago White Sox playing for Jimmy. He finished with negative 0.05 points. We had Lux, the shortstop for the Dodgers, and the Dodgers, as much to say, finished with a strikeout as well. So he had negative 0.05. And then we had Adele, like we talked about before. He's the right fielder. Well, he's historically a center fielder, but obviously that position is taken if he wants to get to the major leagues. Adele played right field today for the American League Futures game, and he had 1.45 points. And we also had Carter Kaboom had one point for Perrier. So it was cool to see. It made it made it a little bit more interesting to watch. I probably would have watched anyway because it's you know just cool to see and put faces to names and instead of just reading them on uh, like on a piece of paper. It was cool to see them in action. And while it was kind of a low-scoring game, it was nice to see the little things and how people defended and uh, how they ran the bases and just it was fun to watch. So if you haven't seen it, maybe check out the highlights. The home run in the ninth was cool by the kid that's in the Texas system. I forget his name. That was cool. It ended in a tie. And they even tried out that new that rule that's been circulating um, or like the strategy to like make the extra innings games go a little less, be a little less time. And that was uh, start the, start the inning with a guy on second base. While I hate that, it was interesting to see and it wound up not being any consequential. It hadn't, didn't, it didn't want to be inconsequential anyway because it ended in a tie, but it was interesting to see that in, in action. So you're starting, I think you start the top of the inning and the bottom of the inning with the guy who who made the last out on second base. And I don't know. I don't like it at all. I don't think it's something that should be implemented in baseball, but it was definitely interesting to see. The, the game was originally slotted to go seven. I think it went eight innings in, and that was it. They called it. Tomorrow's the home run derby. Uh, we have nothing on the line for that, but obviously it's going to be cool to watch. I watch every year. It's fun event for baseball uh, I have a little side bet with an uh, with other friends that I think we're doing a random drawing and I think 20 bucks each which is cool and then for the all-star game the players that are involved uh, we obviously know the starting lineups and the starting picture pitchers but we don't know how many bats everyone's going to get so it's kind of a crapshoot so Jimmy has Baez and Springer obviously I talked about he had Luis Robert for the for the futures game I have Whit Merrifield, J.D. Martinez, and Cattell Marte. Perrier had Carter Kaboom today in the, in, the, in the Futures game. Trout and Santana. Bazada has Blackman, D.J. LeMahieu, and Ryu. Karen has Austin Meadows, Bell, Josh Bell, and Glaber Torres. So she originally had Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich backed out of the, all, the home run derby with the, the back thing, so obviously she's a little wary on him playing in the All-Star game, and rightfully so. I don't think Milwaukee would risk having their superstar play in a meaningless game. So she put Austin Meadows in there. Greg has Cody Bellinger, Freddie Freeman, and Matt Chapman. Alicia has the newly acquired Hori Polanco, Jose Barrios, and Aroldis Chapman. 
Boxell has Gary Sanchez, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Alex Bregman. Travis has Francisco Lindor, Joey Gallo, and he had Lux uh, in the pro- in the Futures game. Devin has Trevor Story, Yasmani Grandal, and he had Adele today. So right now Devin's in the lead by .45 points. I will be adding the scoring uh, as I go, hopefully, but I won't have the winner announced until the day after. I'm going to be watching the game from Howard's with you guys. I'll, I'll try my best to keep up with it as we go. And I'll have like a piece of paper or use my phone or something. It might be easier to add than we're expecting because these guys may only get one or two at bats. And then like for the people that picked pitchers like uh, Bazzotto who picked Ryu, Alicia who picked Cha- uh, Aroldis Chapman, they only, only may get one inning anyway. So I may just put their score in a box and I may be able to add it up quickly depending. And then the winner gets all the money. So... There's 50 bucks on the line, so it's pretty cool. Uh, we're going to use standard scoring, and then, as I discussed on the original, if they win the All-Star MVP, they get an extra three points. So if you say you own Mike Trout, Mike Perrier, and he wins the All-Star MVP, you get an extra three points on top of your score. So I, we didn't have any anybody that owned any of the Futures Games MVP. The guy from Texas, again, I forgot his name, they hit the home run. He was the MVP, so no one got the points anyway. So if you win the All-Star MVP, that's also it. I want to put that on the record as well. And I, I thought everyone was aware of that. Just making sure you do. All right, cool. So again, thank you for, for participating. I think it should be really cool. I don't know who's showing up. Uh, I know I heard from a few of you, so it would be cool to see most of you come out. I know it's a long way on a Tuesday, but Howard's has... You know, cheap beer, great burgers, and it's going to be a good time. And we usually kind of take over the whole bar because no one else is there. Uh, so what what we do is we just, we wind up getting dinner first, watch the beginning of the game, and then take our place at the bar and everyone's kind of hanging out. So if you are able to come out, please do. It's a cool event. I'd like to see all of you. I love, you know, hanging with all of you, even if it's for some of the game. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be drinking some beers, watching the game, rooting on the American League, specifically J.D. Martinez. Uh, but you know what? If Whit Merrifield and Cattell Marte want to go off, that'd be great too. All right. So obviously at the All-Star break, there's really no preview for next week. Uh, everyone's off until I think it, the games come back on think Thursday, right? Or no, Friday, like I mentioned before. Friday they come back. So it is a two-week matchup, so or 10-day matchup. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then goes all the way through the next Sunday is week 15. So make sure to set your lineups accordingly for week 15. Some of the matchups you have to look forward to, we have myself versus Devin. So Devin, who's at 8-6, and six, I'm at 10-4. and four. Should be a very interesting matchup. Bazada is taking on Jimmy. Both teams re- really, really need a win. So Bazada fell to eight and six, and Jimmy fell down to six and eight. So he's going to need a win to stay in the hunt. Alicia will be playing Greg. Greg looks to get back to his winning ways. He took a two and six team, got all the way back to seven and six, but now he fell back to five hundred. He's looking to get above five hundred against the struggling team that Alicia fields on a weekly basis. She's two and twelve. And she's looking to play spoiler. Travis takes on Perrier. Travis, fresh off his third win of the season, will take on Perrier, who 
uh, got the win over Karen and moved to 7-7. Seven and seven. And then Karen takes on Boxell. This is going to be a great matchup. Karen will be 8-6 and six and Boxell will be 11-3. I uh, do not envy anyone playing Boxell for 10 days. The team is stacked and he puts up points daily. So he's projected for 195 points. I wouldn't be surprised if he puts, over, puts up over 200. So Karen's really going to have to put up points if she wants to beat Boxell. But again, those matchups are going to be 10 days long, and they return on Friday. So make sure you're setting your lineup and you're prepared. I'm sure you all, you guys will all remember. So, um, And I believe over the, the course of those 10 days that the roster moves do not reset. I'd have to check into that. They may not reset on that Sunday. So I'm pretty sure that uh, history has shown me that it would just be six roster moves throughout the 10 days. So be aware of what you're doing with your roster moves. Don't be careless with them thinking they're going to reset. Because in week one, I'm pretty sure that when we had the longer we had the longer week, that the roster moves didn't reset, and you had to wait a whole other week to to set your lineup. And some people had injuries and things like that, and you weren't able to fix it with any ad drops. So make sure you're being uh, wise with those six ads ads and drops. All right, power rankings. So this is my favorite part of the podcast. Uh, I want to go through the, the power rankings and kind of discuss those with you. Power rankings. All right. Favorite part of the show, power rankings. So without further ado, let's go through the 10 teams, starting with worst to first. So number 10 is Alicia. At 2-12, she sits with the worst record in the league. She only has two wins on the season and not much to say for her. She is making trades to make herself better for the future, sort of. And I don't think she is quite done with what she has planned. So 2-12. She hopes to get back to her winning ways next year. Number nine, Travis. Despite his win, bringing him to 3-11, he is still the second-to-worst team in the league. He has some key pieces that may be valuable at the, at the trade deadline in a, few, in a few short weeks. He has said that he doesn't want to sell, but it may be too tempting for him when their playoffs are not possible. And he knows he's not going to be keeping every valuable piece on his team. Number eight is Jimmy. Fall in the six and eight, he was in contention for the Reptar, Reptar, etc. division lead. He's since fallen on some hard times. So now he sits at six and eight. And he's looking to get back to his winning ways against Bizzotta next week. He really needs a win. Jimmy's team has been struggling mightily. And we shall see if he can hop up in the power rankings a little bit. Number seven is Mike Perrier. He dropped down the power rankings a little bit. He won this week, but his team has been leaving a lot to be desired. So he falls down to seven and seven. He's looking to capitalize on a momentum like he had last year and the second half of the season and climb up the standings. But right now he is fourth in his division 
and he's on the outside looking in of a playoff spot, I believe, at the moment. Number six is Greg. He's also 7-7, seven seven, but I do like Greg's team a little bit better than Perry is right now. Uh, Greg turned a team that was 2-6 and six and made them competitive, and he's instead of selling DeGrom and selling all the pieces, he's he stuck to the plan, and now he's at 7-7. Seven and seven. So I, don't, I know Greg's not panicking because he's he's seen it all so far this year. And Greg will definitely be competing for a division title this year continually. He's only three games back, um, but most definitely a playoff spot. Number five is Mike Bazzotta. Eight and six. He really struggled this week with uh, scoring. He scored under 100 points, and that losing Jorge Polanco may be troublesome for him and he has to be wondering where else he's going to get offense from his pitching will definitely be fine he's hoping Luis Severino comes back soon but I don't know if Luis will be back by the end of the regular season he may just be there for the playoffs for him which is a scary thought because if you're sitting there with Luis Severino's first couple of starts he may be on a short lease and they're getting him ready for the actual MLB playoffs or he could be sitting there and struggle because he hasn't pitched in a big league game since last year. Number four is Devin. Eight and six. He did win this week. And he continues to be a solid team. But, alas, not better than the ones in front of him. Number three is Karen. Eight and six. Despite losing this week, I really enjoy Karen's team. I think she's solid with, you know, especially with Yelich. Her offense is just unbelievable. They put up points by the boatload. She is definitely, she's going to be a tough out in the playoffs if she gets there. I just, I think that she is more well-rounded than the teams that are behind her. Number two is myself at 10 and four. I'm happy with where I'm at with my team. But I, I just can't put myself above Box L. I think, you know, I will be getting better as time goes on. I love having the diversity of my lineup that I can put out there every day, whether I put Whit Merrifield at second or I put him at first or, or right field. It's great to be able to have that flexibility to put any of those guys everywhere. Cattell Marte, my team seems to be very reliant on speed. And sneaky power with Whit Merrifield and Cattell Marte. Uh, those guys are leading the way. Time will tell if I will regret uh, trading Steven Strasburg in a pitching hungry league. Right now it's worked out for me. But I'm hoping this hot streak lasts because, as we know in this league, you get hot at a certain point, then you get cold. So I'm hoping that my team doesn't get cold at the wrong time. And number one. The aforementioned Matt Boxell at 11-3. He continues to put up points by the boatload. And he has the most points in the league. He only has three losses on the year. And he's going to be someone that, barring any changes, any anything that is weird, he's going to win that division. And he's going to have a bye going to the playoffs. And he's going to be a really tough out. So, Matt Boxell is the king of the power rankings until... He's knocked off his throne. So we will move to week 15 with optimism. And believe it or not, with only seven weeks left in the season, 
we are that close to the playoffs and that close to crowning our 2019 fantasy baseball champion. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope to see you guys there at the at the All-Star game. If not, maybe I'll see you guys soon. Uh, continue to chat it up in the group me. And as always, the commission is out.